Thank you for downloading the Blue Moon Podcast. Please give the show your support by becoming a backer. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to this very special Blue Moon podcast. I'm David Mooney and for this one I'm talking about the PFA Fans Player of the Year award. Now I appeared on a panel discussion in Manchester ahead of the uh, awards opening. That was ahead of City's game with West Ham. And you can vote for your choice of the PFA Fans Player of the Year award by going to 90min.com. City's nominations there are Kevin De Bruyne and Phil Foden. That's who I was talking about. But we also had some other names on the panel as well. Neil Atkinson will be familiar to listeners from the Anfield Wrap. Talking about the Liverpool nominees, uh, there was a Palace fan on there as well. Uh, And also a couple of ex-pros in Karen Carney and Emil Heskey. So let's have a listen to that uh, discussion now. And then you can go to 90min.com and vote vote for one of City's players. Here's what happened on the day. Mo Salah there, who is, of course, up for the PFA Virtue Motors Fans Player of the Year Award. And the Egyptian has some tough opponents to go up against. Uh, So let's take a look at who else is in the running. Uh, A man who is just as useful going forward as he is in defence. It's Trent Alexander-Arnold. Next up is Manchester City's footballing genius, Kevin De Bruyne. Another of Pep Guardiola's men, it's Phil Foden. Conor Gallagher of Crystal Palace also makes the shortlist. And last, but certainly not least, the rock of West Ham's side is, of course, Declan Rice. And here to talk to us all about that fantastic group of players today, we have some really wonderful guests. Uh, So let's welcome uh, Neil Atkinson from the Anfield Wrap. Lovely to have you here. We're also joined by Dave Mooney uh, from the Blue Moon podcast. Crystal Palace fan Robbie Scotcher is with us as well. Hello, Robbie. Uh, And we are in the presence of two uh, former footlink greats as well. Uh, we are joined by Leicester Liverpool and England striker Emil Heskey. Lovely to have you here, Emil. And of course, we're also joined by Kaz Carney, uh, former Chelsea, Arsenal and England star. Um, Kaz, I'm going to start with you, if that's OK. I mean, what a fantastic group of players. All had phenomenal seasons. What do you make of this group? It's like a dream team, isn't it, really? You're picking it out and, and then six up there have been deservedly come to this part now and I think it's so difficult to pick out who's the one because they've all bring, brought so much to their teams and so much quality, so much charisma and charm as well when they play and um, it's going to be really difficult and it's down to, to, down to the fans now. That's it, Neil, it is down to the fans. Um, how do you choose between these players? Well, you could be biased and that's fine. <laughs> uh, that's emphatically allowed. Uh, we, can, we, can, we can definitely do that. But I think the idea of, you know, we're sitting here now when we're recording this and two nights ago, uh, Kev De Bruyne scored four. Um, now I know he had Michael Owen pictures on his wall growing up, but he scored those four <laughs> goals for Manchester City. And it was an incredible thing to do in that moment. You know, the, the pressure's on, City needs something. And there he, he turns up and he shows that for his team. Simultaneously, early in the season, you know, Liverpool 
Liverpool are now in a great position, they really are. But in the first half of the season, part of what powered them to be in a great position was the brilliance of Mohamed Salah. You know, he was he was tremendous uh, in that run. I think he's found it a little bit tougher at the minute in front of goal, but that could just turn and all the way through. Trent Alexander-Arnold's been great. But I think, you know, choosing between all of these footballers, the summer were on a journey, you know, they're still on a trajectory, thinking about Declan Rice and Conor Gallagher in particular and Trent to an extent. But you've got others there who are, these are their peak years and their peak moments and they've shown that at the peak of the powers. And I think the, the other thing about this is and what matters the most I think is this season they've got to do it in front of supporters 12 months ago we couldn't get into grounds and this year certainly watching Liverpool but I'm sure David would say the same thing watching Man City and I'm, I'm sure Robbie would say the same thing about Crystal Palace to be back in grounds watching genuinely the best players in the world because that's what these are they're the best ones it's been incredible and it's been a real privilege yeah, I think that sums it up perfectly. What a privilege. Um, and speaking of privilege, it's lovely to be joined by my co-hosts, Max Whittle and Liam McDevitt as well. Uh, Max, so many amazing players to talk about today. I was going to say, speaking of privilege, I'm sharing a mic with DJ Amil Hesky. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get a bit of that, please? Honestly, that, that celebration was my childhood. <laughs> it was everyone's childhood, right? We still remember it. Uh, Emil, in the context of the history of the Premier League, mm -hmm. where would you place these two teams, Man City and Liverpool? They, they strive for excellence and they keep pushing each other. At times when you when you see teams falling away, you see the, the difference. But these keep pushing each other, keep going that extra mile. And I, you, you don't know where it's going to stop. They're fantastic. Uh, they're, they're, they're run by two fantastic uh, managers who, again, are pushing each other to, to strive for excellence. And their players are, are producing football the way they are. I know you spoke about Mo Salah um, not necessarily having, I wouldn't say not necessarily having the, the best of seasons, but not really hitting the back of the net at the minute, but it's still 20 plus goals. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, I remember sitting with, I, doing an interview with Ida Good Johnson, and he was saying, I would pray for 20 odd goals, and he's not, he's having a bad season. <laughs> Do you know? So these players are just keep striving. You look at Phil Foden there, a young lad, 21, 21, doing, producing the football that he's producing week in, week out, but wanting more. One more for me on this, impartial Robbie. Uh, who do you think's got the best player of the two teams? Um, well, thing is, you've, you've watched Mohamed Salah and he's just been so exceptional. Just the way he plays, the way he drives the team forward, especially the start of the season. I'm obviously a big fan of Phil Foden. I just think at that age, where he's going to go, what he's going to do in the game. I'd, it's, it's hard to tell. But then Trent, he's redefining a position. You know, he's playing in a way in that position. That you, what, what's a right back? You've got right backs and you've got Trent. So, you know, and it's really hard to differentiate between two. I'd probably say Trent, actually, after that. And as far as Salah goes, obviously, we can talk about the impact he's had at Liverpool and the stats and the numbers. But how far to be in one of the Premier League greats do you think he is, Emil? Because you played with some unbelievable players. Well, he's up there. He's up there with the stats that he's putting in and... Um, we're talking about a player that can change games and you can on like this you know just a flick of a switch you give him the ball and from from the area that I played in and the players that I played with, I would say Stevie because I know that I, I, you could get to a certain point in the game and you're saying who's going to make a difference and you say oh Stevie will do it <laughs> <laughs> you know Stevie will do it but I think that's what we're looking at Mo now so yeah I think he's up there with the best I think, I think he grew up with pictures of uh, Lee Bradbury on his wall, didn't he? <laughs> Who didn't? Who didn't? Uh, Dickie Weaver and his pomp. <laughs> <laughs> what he and as a fan, do you think Salah came 
to the point where people are talking about him as one of the greatest late? Because I know in his early career, it was one season he's done it, and then it was oh, two seasons he's done it. But now the longevity of the numbers, do you think he's entering the conversation of Premier League greats later than some other players? Yeah, I think it's interesting with a couple of these. Um, De Bruyne's the same, you know, let's remember De Bruyne was written off uh, early in his career by a lot of people as well. And I think that, you know, Liverpool on the whole, there's a number of Liverpool players who had quite sort of strange routes to end up in this Liverpool side. They've come from quite left field areas and they've had to demonstrate something a little bit different. But I think De Bruyne's interesting for that as well. You know, he ends up at Wolfsburg and I think a lot of people would have said, well, wait, you know, what's your next move after you go to Wolfsburg? And it transpires his next move after going to Wolfsburg is when three million trophies is what he's managed to box off since then and you know I think that those footballers who for whom it is who've got exceptional ability let's be crystal clear but for whom in different ways it can become a little bit harder they're the really interesting ones for me you know there's some footballers for whom it always comes easy we've got one at the minute and he's wonderful you know is Thiago Alcantara but you know Thiago Alcantara almost wins a major trophy or two major trophies for every season he plays football the players who have to scrap they're the ones who you know you get behind the story of and you love the notion of and Salah's one of them De Bruyne's one of them I'd say as well and they're the, they're the footballers that you're like yeah I watch you every week you're you're a massive part of what I, the way I see the game. Well, let's talk Kevin De Bruyne, shall we? Because he is a very, very special player. He's one of these that can just turn it on time and time again. Obviously, he did it most recently in that finishing masterclass against Wolves, which I'm sure you particularly enjoyed watching. You're nodding away there. Um, do you think, though, he gets the appreciation of he deserves of a, of a player of his caliber? I think he does. Um, I think that the number of times you you hear or you speak to opposition fans after City have, have, have played against them, the number of times you hear De Bruyne was, was unplayable today. And you start to hear it kind of one week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, and you go, well, actually, maybe that's just his standard. If his standard is, I am unplayable, <laughs> then you've got a pretty good player on your hands. And I'd, I'd, like, I'd go as far as to say, like, there are times where City... You you watch City sometimes and you think they can play and play and play and they'll never get the breakthrough. But then De Bruyne will just for he'll play a pass that when you when you're in when you're on the pitch and you're 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 playing in a game you don't always see the right pass because you're you're at pitch level you're 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 in the middle of it all. There are times when there are fans that sit around you in the in the third tier at the Etihad who go oh no, no just give it there 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 now and you go he can't see that but then De Bruyne can. And then he plays it, like bends it through three players. There's an assist he made, um, it must be three or four years ago today, that I still, I can't get my head around how he did it. He, he, he played, he put it on a plate for Sane to score against Stoke in a, in a 7-2 win. And he passed it through nine Stoke players to get it there. And like, like no, that's not normal. Sure, like nobody can do that. It's just like it's not on. So when you when you talk about the the fact that that he is is City's talisman, you know, season after season, um, with the quality that's in City's squad, it's just it just goes to show how good he is. And you know, you, you compare him to a player like Salah. You know, Salah is is the sort of talisman that like they're completely different players, but they still operate that same space in in the Liverpool and the and the City squad. And it is. It's so like, difficult it's, to, to pick just one out of that group of players. But I mean, as you say, De Bruyne is incredible. Because you were kind of nodding away there uh, throughout that. I mean, he's just sensational and just such a joy to watch as well, isn't he? Oh, I was at the Wolves game and we got to speak to him after and um, like. After the first minute, I went Wolves are in trouble just because of his positions that he picks up. And I think his intelligence as well. He's so, mm. and I, I was curious to know, I know that 
City are so well choreographed, but sometimes I think he just goes a little bit rogue, goes a bit instinct, and he just goes and finds spaces, and I think that's unappreciated though, but, you know, his clinical finishing against Wolves, all left-footed, all, like, big moments, and he stood out, and he, he carried him at times. I, th- I think it's his attitude as well, because th- th- there was there was a spell 18 months ago. City couldn't score a penalty for for love and money, and he, he kept getting asked the question: Would you take Would you take the next penalty if you're on the pitch? And his attitude was just: If the manager wants me to kick the ball, I'll kick the ball. And it's kind of like he's so laid back with it all as well. And I think he just doesn't. I, I think it's that that like he doesn't let anything phase it. I think as well, like when he was out, that's when Man City struggled, and and then then that's a good testament to go how big their squad is, how good the City squad is. You take him out of it and they're like, you can take all the players out and they're still, they're still fine City. But him, he's got this massive aura, this presence in this team. Like Emil was saying about Gerard, he's your go-to. Mm. He's, he hasn't let them down. Kaz, sticking with you on Phil Foden, it's worth repeating he's just 21. Yeah. Uh, you made 144 appearances for England. Do you see a future England captain? Um. Phil? You know, obviously he's, he's young. You don't want to put pressure on him. Sometimes he's going he'll be phenomenal. Sometimes you don't want to put that pressure on them. You, you kind of, at the moment, just let him be what he wants to be and just let him go and play. And I know Jill Scott really well and she's she's known him through the younger age groups. He's just obsessed with kicking the ball, whether it be like something really small, if it was obsessed. And I think if he's quite happy and he's performing, I don't think we put any pressure on him and like right now. And if he's going to be a future England captain, yeah, I can see it, but... When you're this young, you just want him to grow and develop. Because even against uh, watching him at Wolves the other day and watching him in the Euros, he's still quite raw at times. And you can see that he's even, which is scary, he's still got more levels to go. And you're like, oh, God, you know, how many, he's got more levels. You're like, that's scary. But he's got the potential. But right now, I just want to enjoy watching him with no, no, no pressure, as you'd say, with that armband. Because when you've got that, it brings a lot. And that's why Harry Kane, you know, he's done well. Because... That's a lot of pressure and we don't really want that on our best young players because we've seen what it's done in the past. So just protect him and let him be, I think. The guys just wanted me to get a headline from you, but not... <laughs> not <laughs> no. Um, what's his best position, Emil? Good question. Probably a 10, but I wouldn't pigeonhole, pigeonhole him. I think if you give him... If you can... I've been playing several different positions as, as Pepper's done with him. I think it's great to have a player that can do that. Um, as a false nine, um, playing as either wide, seven or 11. As a number 10, I've probably seen his best position as a number 10, getting in their pockets, being a bit free, being able to turn and then start uh, dictating from there. But um, I like the fact that he's open to playing in several different positions because I like that. Uh, at least I know that I've, I can trust someone that is going to do a job that I want him to do. And another young player who there's a lot of chat about playing a different position. I need no excuse to talk about him. It's Trent Alexander-Arnold. The technique is outrageous, but this year's potentially one of his best in a red shirt. The big chat, should he play in midfield? Or do you think he is so good that he's redefining the right-back position? I don't think so. I don't think he's quite redefining the right back position. What Robbie said before, I agree with everything he said apart from that. And the reason why I don't think he's redefining the right back position is when you redefine a position, it means other players can come and do it. 
there's only one other player in the country, I think, who plays fullback anywhere near the way Trent Alexander-Arnold does, and it's Joe Cancelo. And I think that they're probably unique in world football, full stop. There's not another one on the list that you could say, well, he could go and do a bit of that. So I think that that's, you know, I think he is so special. And I think within that, Liverpool know and play in a certain way to get the very best out of him. I think I worry about the midfield chat around him purely because I feel as though it's motivated by the national team. And I've got no interest in that whatsoever. Uh, because England, firstly, have got an excellent crop of, of full-backs. But also, secondly, I, and I've got a lot of sympathy for the England manager, actually, more so than a lot of Liverpool supporters have. Ultimately, what Liverpool do with Trent Alexander-Arnold is from weeks and months and pre-season after pre-season to play in a certain way. If you're the England manager and you've got to prep for a tournament, you just basically want to, at times, be able to say, well, it's 4-2-3-1, and the lad who plays right-back, he stays at right-back. And if you're Trent Alexander-Arnold, you're going, absolutely not, mate. That's not what I do. I do this and instead and so if you've got a Kyle Walker who's an excellent player to hasten to add I can understand why if you're trying to win a tournament you'd say well I'll play safe and I'll pick Kyle Walker what Trent does you know I don't I don't want to move him around I'm in no rush to do that maybe as he grows older like in a, in a way in which Kimmich has at Bayern Munich there's maybe an argument to think about you know if he's 28 29 and he's almost saying to the sports science people listen I'm sick of all these sprints can you can you pop me in the middle of the park and I can I just do a bit you know if that if if he, if he takes the, if he takes the Cascani route <laughs> then you can from there you can maybe think about that but for me you know I want to see him be the best right back in the world and the only right back of the world of his type for four or five years he's absolutely incredible and he's a joy to watch can I, can I just say to that as well if you are the best in your position why would you want to change position yeah absolutely why <laughs> why go and be the eighth best centre midfielder in yeah. the country I do, I do understand the England argument because we've got Virgil and we've got Henderson who split and often covers him in that in that area yeah. where there's space in behind and Kaz you said something interesting earlier about Premier League teams being so well choreographed it's no longer where perhaps it was in your day, Emil, man for man, or you block the space. Teams now are so fluid and you often see him picking up pockets 10 yards outside the edge of the box, which he, he definitely wouldn't have been doing then. Do you think he's a product of the game being more choreographed or do you think teams are shaping around much more technical and adaptable players? For, for me, I just think you, you, the, the work that you've done on the training field is, is to adapt around that. So if I'm if if you're telling me to push further forward, you've got a, you've got a reason why you want me to push further forward, and you're adapting around that. So yeah, I think for 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 me they've already sorted that out. So they don't need to. Why do they need to? Like I said, why do they need to change a right back, the best right back? You got because, a winning, yeah, you got a winning formula already, and the stats and everything's backing up. And what you got to appreciate is he's come off the back of a summer last summer that was difficult. Mm -hmm. you no know, injuries and people, you know, maybe going this and that and he's just come up and done the business and he's just gone this is what I do at Liverpool I win I produce performances I produce assists goals it is phenomenal and um, you know he's still young but I agree his position keep him there there's no need to move him and even in that time if he did move him the game might evolve when he's probably a little bit older again but he's he's incredible and I, I wouldn't move him at all the, the part of this is that the best football in the world by club or country is being played in the Premier League and it's being played by Liverpool and Manchester City. It's not a conversation, you know what I mean? It's just That's just a statement of fact. And what they're able to do and the way in which they're coached by two brilliant managers who've been at the top of management for over 10 years, which with one or two exceptions is really rare. They've stayed at the forefront of the cutting edge is... You know, you're then able to harness these talents in mm -hmm. this way. But, you know, you look at this list of six and you think of the other names that could have been on it. Yeah. 
the, the, these are the best footballers, and I don't, like in, in in the whole wide world, there's a, there's a case this season for for Benzema to an extent. Mbappe will always be unspeakably exciting. Bayern Munich have got one or two, and obviously Haaland's going to City. But the best players, firstly, are playing in the Premier League, and secondly, a lot of them are playing for Liverpool and Manchester City. So of course, the formula of football that they conjure up is next level stuff, and it really is. I was at the Etihad this season; it was a tremendous game. I was, you know, the semi-final, tremendous game. The game at Anfield, tremendous game. You're not getting it anywhere else. It's unreal how good this is. Just to finish on Trent, I, I agree completely. But when we saw we had Real Madrid, I thought Vinicius Junior. Trent is probably the danger area. Can you afford that at international level to put him at right back? At international level, you would have you would have your way of playing. We've got different players. You can we talk about um, uh, Kyle Walker for argument's sake, uh, who had a fantastic game against Vinicius. Anyway, um, if you need to change it around, we have the players to do that. Uh, and and this is the key thing. We were talking about how many games we played that uh, the, the treble winning season. Yeah, and. If we had enough enough players, you can change that around. And these players now know that they can play thirty plus games a season, knowing that they that it's it's this for this this game, it's that for that game. It's we have that. So the formulas that are there. And let Vinicius Junior Junior worry about Trent Alexander Arnold. Yeah, he's got to go the other way. Yeah. All right, let's talk Conor Gallagher then, shall we? Uh, Robbie, move the mic over. This one's I'm you. here, I'm here. This is your time it's your to shine. <laughs> I know you've been waiting patiently. Um, he deservedly is a, a firm favourite amongst the Crystal Palace fans. I mean, what a player. He's stepped up in terms of instinct for goal this season as well. And he's got an unbelievable work ethic too. I mean, how much love do you have for him? Never fall in love with a lone player. <laughs> I mean, I nearly got him on a shirt. You know, it's oh. ridiculous. He... he, he He's coming to the team. And Palace is such a different team this season. You know, we're about so much more than we have been for years. And he's, um, he just, he encapsulates everything that I think that Vieira's trying to do. And him and other players as well. But he, he's really the, the forerunner for this. And he's aggressive. He chases everything down. He never stops. Stats are a weird thing, but when you actually get in the ground in Crystal Palace, Sellers Park, and you watch him play. And he makes those runs and he gets those tackles. I mean, everyone's on their feet the whole time. He really, For us, he's been absolutely exceptional. There's been times when against West Ham, we weren't at it. He was, so we got a draw. He, he has made the difference. He has stepped up. And, and for Palace fans, I mean, we, just, we couldn't love him anymore. He, he is our player of the season. He won it a couple of nights ago. And, you know, and you saw in the FA Cup semi-final, we were stale in that game. And the reason we lost it technically is because we couldn't affect Jorginho. He affected the game. If Connor's playing that game, who knows? That, that really could be a different story because that's where we lost the game. He just, he means so much. And for him to be up there in this company right now in this season, just me, it's so much for where he's going. And Neil spoke about journeys. He's on a journey. And uh, even if he's not our player, I'll, I'll follow him wherever he goes. Oh, I love the passion you played with there. That was worth waiting for. Um, Nearly got tears. <laughs> A little tear there. Um, let's talk about Crystal Palace under Vieira. Uh, Mill, let's get your thoughts on this if we could. Um, because their playing style is, is completely different now, but what a job he's done there. Yeah, he's done a fantastic job. And again, <clears throat> we look at coaches uh, applying their trades elsewhere, coming through the youth setup he was in Man City's. Um, came through Man City's academy. Then went to New York, if I'm right. Uh, then went to France and now back here. 
So he's done the rounds. He's done everything. He's he, he understands where what he wants from football, and it's it's about selling yourself, and he's selling himself really well at this moment in time. And again, look, he would love to be able to spend as much money as he possibly can. No, he's there to work with the players and and make them better, and I believe he has done so. Robbie, where are Palace going under Vieira? Do you think? Do you know, it's, it's really difficult because it's not just about what you're seeing on the pitch at the minute, although that's obviously the end product. It's about changing the whole club. So we invested hugely into our youth project. So now we have a grade one top um, um, youth setup, which before we didn't. So South London, South Londoners are some of the best players in the world. If, if you look across the Premier League, it is full of South Londoners. And they were all going to Chelsea, Arsenal, all the teams that they'd never go to Palace. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to give them a straight route from the youth team up into Palace. You play 100 games for Palace, then you might move on. Then you might get to your Liverpools. Look at players like Marcus Gahey, Mark Gahey um, um, Michael Elise, who is going to be an astounding player. Tyrick Mitchell come from Brentford through. We've got a lad behind him that's coming up too. There is a route through for South Londoners and South London football to come through Crystal Palace and come up. And... Things like the FA Cup is what we're looking at. Cut runs is what we want. But also, as a fan, just to see myself represented on the pitch by young South Londoners is an amazing thing. And that's what we're getting a lot of right now, which Patrick Vieira is doing an exceptional job. He's bringing these young players through. He's exactly the right man at the right time. So who knows? But along the same vein, hopefully. Declan Rice, Kaz, first of all, can they keep him? Hmm. They came out and said they're not going to sell him and they're going to try and keep him at all costs. And you would. He's their best player. He's their captain. He's their go-to. You'd, you'd wrap cotton wool in him and you try and keep him as long as you can. Um, question mark is, is he obviously, or you'd think a player of his calibre won Champions League and to push on and to win. And at the end of your career, you're always asked, you know, what have you won? So if West Ham can give him that, then for me as a, as a former player club are going in the same direction as you, you'd never leave. And if it's your team, you'd never leave. Um, but West Ham have got to match that. And that's going to be difficult with the, you know, as we spoke about, the Premier League's the best in the world, in my opinion. So it's going to be difficult, but he's, uh, he's improved. You know, I always look at after Euros, there's not many players that kick on after Euros. And he's very one of the few that have. You know, if you go through that European Championship final team, it takes them a good six months to come back. But... He hit the ground running. He proved on the European stage how good he is. Europa said the same. And you watch him and without him, there's a massive hole in that West Ham side. You know, and West Ham have done well, but without him, so you would, you'd, you'd do everything in your power to keep him at that football club. Yeah, he's played 29 times for England now. I'll go down the, the line here and we'll start with you. Is there something he can add to his game to, to make him a, a better player? What would it be? I think he's. I think he's a top player as it is. To be honest with you, um, just to add to what Kaz is talking about there, the difficult thing at times when you're when you're in a position like that is, you're you always you go away to the national team and you're you're in that environment and you inevitably look at what you've won and where you can go, and he'll want to be winning trophies, he'll want to be winning leagues. He'll only be winning, uh, going into the Champions League, and they're the things that he's going to be. Going to be. It's not going to be anything to do with money, because they're, they're all going to be earning money. It's the trophies that he's going to want. So, and that is the key thing that he's going to, he's going to be going over in his mind. Um, what can he improve? 
I think he's quite a complete player, to be honest with you. He's very aggressive in the in the way that he he goes about his business. He can drive with the ball, probably goals, you would say. But if he's going to be if he's going to be very specific and be a sitting player, do you uh, uh, number four? Do you really need him to score goals? Leave it for them. So. Well, I think we can all agree it's an unbelievable shortlist of what's been. For me, one of the best Premier League seasons. We've still got, could still go down to the last day, which I hope it does just for the entertainment value. But thanks for all of you coming along, spending your time and supporting Palace. I know that must have been difficult over the years. <laughs> but remember, you can vote for your BFA Virtue Motors Please. Fans Player of the Year award at 90mins.com. That was the panel discussion for the PFA Fans Player of the Year Award. Head to 90min.com. You can cast your vote for either Phil Foden or for Kevin De Bruyne if you want to vote for one of the City players. And you've got until midday on Friday to do that. Friday the 27th of May. So get logging on and get voting right now. And that brings us to an end for this episode. See you again very soon. was the blue moon podcast please support the show patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast